With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buzz! 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 Welcome back to another low-key quarantine edition of At The Buzzer, your Ralph Report podcast for all you Colorado athletic musings, needs, information, whatever you need, we provide. I, I would say we're a full-service provider um, in these trying times. It's mid-May, and we're still doing low-key quarantine editions of podcasts. It's a little sad, but here we are. Um, I'm one of the hosts, Jack Barsh. Over there is, I would say, the more handsome host. Sam, introduce yourself. Hey, Jack. That's I, all you need. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that we, we haven't run out of content yet. We, uh, uh, no, born- well, <laughs> some would say that maybe we ran out of content for them long ago, but who cares? We're doing this for us. Well, no, we've been, we've been perfecting the shitpost for a very long time. The past, like, four or five off-seasons, and I think that we're, like, we're adequately prepared for like a long sports layoff. But we do have sports finally. We would have had more. Uh, this should have been the spring game. So we're going to talk about the spring game, what should have been for CU football. It would have been a, a look into some position battles. It would have been a look into how the young players are progressing and maybe possibly breakout stars. Like uh, Jaron Mangum announced himself last year. Elvis Gishinoli or before. Or, yeah, I think everybody well, yeah, no, you're right. 2017 spring game was was when he he shook Nick Fisher out of his shoes. Well, and more importantly, we would have seen what the new offense looks like, what the new what the 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 program under Carl Durrell looks like. You know. Yeah, and we also would have seen a question that was posed on Reddit today: of Is Carl Durrell enough of an asshole to have a good football team? That was not. Where was that? That was on Chase Howell retweeted it. Wow, <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a it's a question that's worth asking. Is Carl Durrell too nice? Ah, can't wait to say that for the next three months. Um, <laughs> but like you mentioned, there is there is legitimate sports gambling in Colorado and legitimate sports coming back. Um, because one country with with a functioning infrastructure and leadership found a way to make it happen. So, ugh. yeah, we can so talk we'll, about we'll, real we'll sports talk- in a second. We'll talk about Bundesliga at the end of the podcast. I'm very excited about this. I don't want to out myself, but I possibly do follow international soccer more closely than college basketball, even though I'm a college basketball writer and podcaster. So we'll just pretend that I'm not doing that. Yeah. um, I mean, some would say, Sam, that your ignorance is your greatest asset. Not me, (laughs) but some, you know. Before we do that, I guess, let's talk about hypothetical, theoretical sports for a little bit. Okay. Um, Let's paint a word picture real quick. It's mid-April. I hope hope your eyes are closed. My eyes are closed as I'm speaking. 
Uh, it's mid-April. So it's 67. It's 11 a.m. It's maybe a little overcast. No wind. Still a little hot. You're wearing sunglasses. You realize, oh, in an hour, it might clear up a little bit. And you realize even more, oh, I have to start walking in about 30 minutes because I want to go through campus before I hit the spring game. Uh, you start walking through campus. It's green. All the trees are the right color. You see all the sandstone buildings. Have you gone to Yellow Belly before or after this? Never, well, I guess it's a good time to bring up in real life, RIP Yellow Belly. Uh, it, it closed oh. in Denver or in, uh, in Boulder permanently. Well, it wasn't very good. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree. I had it. It was great before this hypothetical. I'm back in it. You walk into Folsom Field. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You sit down with either the press or the 8,000 other insane fans watching fake football. Eating a bova sandwich as you walk there. Yes, exactly. The, the CU program introduces its new Ralphie with, the, with an inaugural run. Ralphie 6. There's excitement in the air. And then out comes new head coach. a little too fast. Go ahead. Well, behind her, also running a little too fast, is, is new head coach Carl Durrell. Wow. All right, get on with it. Come on. And from there, you get to see some of, some of his – how he wants to mold the program, how the new offense looks, how the second-year Tyson Summers looks. Like you said, some freshman stars – the quarterbacks that look good, who spun the ball well, which receivers are coming out, which defensive backs can play safety at all, let alone well. So many questions that you can have answered while having a great Saturday in Folsom Field. And all that was is not real. It's, it's not happening. Um, and, in fact, I would guess that the fall camp especially also gets – I mean, that normally starts, what, late July? There's no way that's happening on time either. So mm. – we have no – all we can answer now is hypothetical questions and with, with hypothetical information that we never got. And that's where we are yes. today. But we want to so do it, gonna, so here we are. We're going to hypothetically analyze some of those position group uh, questions and other questions or whatever. Do you have any other – do you have any questions to start? I know you want well, to kind of bury the, bury the quarterback question further in the pod. Well, the – the question I'm most interested in is how much do we need? A, obviously, we want great quarterbacking, but like, how much will the offense under Darren Chivarini, but also under Carl Durrell's kind of more conservative direction, need a quarterback that can spin the ball 30 times a game? Because I think some of the spring game, I don't think they would do anything too crazy in terms of formations, but it always gives you a clue on what the mentality of the offense is going to be. Jay Johnson was way slower, and you could see there's a lot more tight ends. He brought in the fullback a lot. A lot of that didn't stick throughout the year, but it still was good. That, that's basically what was planned. Similarly, under Shiverini, and then also Danny Langsdorf is doing some good things, and Carl Durrell is obviously an offensive guy. We've heard some, some small rumblings of what the offense was going to be when he installed it. Um, it would have been cool to see that. I think that would have been the first thing I wanted to see, is what does the new what, offense look like? What were those rumblings? Well, we've heard from – some recruits and some returning players that um, they kind of want to do, they still want to, Shiverini wants to do a little more pace, a little faster than what we did last year. But 
Um, one thing that Carl Durrell used a lot at UCLA and I think would be continuing, and we, we heard that a little bit, was, was not just one tight end, but two tight end on the field on almost every down. Um, I don't like that personally. Really? We, don't, we just don't have that many good tight ends on the program. Well, it would have been nice to see in the spring game, right? Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, like, yeah, uh, Matt Lynch is a transfer from UCLA, grad transfer. Jake Peters is a transfer from Arizona, who he does need that, that uh, the one-time transfer rule to actually go into effect for him to be eligible immediately. Um, I, I believe like, as a walk-on, he might be eligible immediately regardless. I don't remember that uh, okay. uh, rule. Well, anyway, so they'd be more running oriented, obviously. Uh, you're probably going to be seeing a lot of uh, Alex Fontenot, Jared Mangum, Ashad Clayton leading the offense, right? With the, the growing and experienced offensive line led by William Sherman. Well, yeah, at, at least definitely in the spring, you'd see a lot of Fontenot and Mangum, but you'd also see, you'd probably see a lot more carries for Deion Smith just to see what he can do. We have yet to see really anything out of Jarek Broussard, who's still in that backfield. That would have been interesting to see what kind of speed he has. Because uh, height's always been his knock, but he's, he's always had the agility. I don't know. I mean, I think you also could have seen Luke Stillwell at tight end, someone we've never seen play, who was a blue shirt last year. TCU was after him a little bit. He entered Juco as a quarterback, and now he's a tight end. It would have been interesting to see some of him. Brady's a complete known quantity at this point, so that's not that interesting. Um, yeah. And like you said, the offensive lineman grew a lot under Coach Cap, who is now at Michigan State with Mel Tucker. Does Mitch Rodriguez continue that? Is the scheme the same? Can they adapt as well? How does Frank Phillip look? That's a huge question because he's presumably the right or left tackle next year, um, depending on where they put Will Sherman. If he can be a solid left tackle, Will Sherman can excel. You know, and this- Phillip also – he redshirted last year to gain some weight and to fill out into his frame. So there's there's really like high hopes for him around the program, I think. Yep. Yep. Colby Purcell continues there, but would have been interesting to see how big that offensive line got. I mean, basically most of the questions to me center around the offense, at least in the spring. Because the defense uh, we kind of know what the liability is going to be. Yeah, like we can even talk about the defensive backs later on because um, I think there are more questions of like who can play rather than who's going to get minutes, I guess. Who's going to get snaps? Well, yeah, so I guess uh, let's – I think what you'd see a lot of because this is the two biggest question marks I have other than obviously the quarterback position that we keep pushing back for a suspense, of course. The biggest – matchups you would have seen I think is you know they always do the drills too at least they did under Tucker and and McIntyre but I would have loved to see just the wide receiver on DB one-on-ones because that I don't know anything other than Katie Nixon like about playing time and Demetri Stanley probably has some spots locked up but all those other snaps are up for grabs I think Demetri Stanley is going to be um I think he's going to be a starter he's I'm going to put money on that and I I have a hunch that he's going to be more of the breakout player on that offense next year. I don't well, think uh, KD Nixon can really survive as a number one starter every game. 
it, you know, he was always a boundary receiver for his first three years. I bet that sticks because it's still Shiverini, and I, I think that's kind of what Katie Nixon would like to be as a boundary receiver. But there's definitely a bunch of size around him. And, you know, Maurice Bell I love, and I loved, I think he would have done a good job getting some snaps. Daniel Arias definitely has a size for it. Levante Chenault um, has the genes and obviously was a high-quality recruit himself. That whole group is so deep. And on the other side, you know, the DBs they're going up against are probably the opposite of deep, whatever. The, I mean, I, I don't even know if you call them shallow. It's, it's like you were looking for someone, you know. I mean, I think I think the DBs, so we have like Mackay Beckton or Mackay Blackman. Jesus. Yeah. Makai Blackman, Chris Miller, KJ Trujillo, Nigel Bethel, the transfer from Miami, and then Tariq Luckett. So they all have, four of those guys have starting experience. Um, probably only Chris Miller is like for sure good, but he's gotten uh, season-ending injuries the past two years, and that's just a massive question mark. So I guess we know what they can be. Like they're probably all I don't know, high 70 overalls if you want to do this in NCAA 14 ratings. But, uh, yeah, we don't know if any of them are like actually good. See, so this is interesting. I, I would say the only sure thing is KJ Trujillo. And, and I don't even know if you – I mean, I would say that KJ Trujillo did just fine last year as a, as a true freshman, put in a really bad spot. Yeah. I like but, his fearlessness. Yeah, exactly. And he, he, he tries to go for the ball a lot. And that USC game was amazing from him um last year but i chris miller's injury history scares me we've never seen him on the field for a long enough time for me to feel comfortable Tariq luckett same thing we, we really don't know too much so he was similarly okay um as a true yeah, freshman which is hard to do he was doing it also as a converted receiver he was an emergency cornerback who um i i've heard like adam munster tiger has reported that the coaches are really happy with his development as a cornerback well he was always coming in as an athlete um which means he could have played either side. But uh, he, I think he wanted to play wide receiver, but when he realized he could get on the field right away as a corner, he, he switched. But the thing, I mean, like Nigel Bethel, like you said, I have no idea what that's going to look like. You know, is he going to – is he can be a boundary corner? Is he a slot corner? Makai Blackman, can he play star? Like, is, is that going to be this, this – whatever you want to call that, buff back or whatever? It's – Man, I don't think he's physical enough. I mean, I would say he's not big enough either, but he played some last year, and that might be where he gets the most opportunity. And as a senior, that's probably where you're going to try to go. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I mean, how many of them are, are any of them going to switch to safety? You know, Jalen Stryker probably was on campus at this point. We, we would have seen him. He's a Juco out of Independence Community College. He could play safety or corner. Where does he fit in? How does he look? Is he too big? Ugh. All things we would have loved to see. Yeah, so – I mean, both of us agree that the freshman Christian Gonzalez, like the prized defensive recruit, is going to be um, at safety. Like, I think he's going to get moved from cornerback to safety. He's the best fit. I think, yeah, I think he's going to – he might want to play corner, but he's going to get definitely the most run at safety, and I think people want to get on the field, so I think that's where he's going to stick. Yeah, and so that would put him with Darian Brakestraw at safety. Which Who I feel solid with. I think he's fine. Yeah. I think he's fine. It's just like, man, question marks at cornerback, unproven players at safety. 
And then I guess Mark Perry would be my like my star position player. Um, because He'd I be like the most his, natural fit, for sure. Yeah, and I, I love his blitzing ability. I think that's going to be really fun to watch over the years. Well, the other option is, I guess we, you know, we have, <laughs> I guess it's still summer's defense, but we don't know. Does he want to use that as maybe a, a different linebacker play? Now, I mean, because the linebackers on this team, they're not as mobile as we'd like to see from a star, but there's a lot of them. And I, I, I think we're way more comfortable with the depth there. So does he move a guy yeah, like I Josh think- Allen maybe to star? You know, I don't know. I think that's a good point, actually. I didn't even consider that. Like, Josh Allen – or it's, it's also Josh Allen, you know. Uh, Josh Allen is a, a fantastic athlete who really likes to get, like, downhill. So that could be a good good spot for him to get him around the line of scrimmage. But I haven't really thought about that much. And we don't really know what Josh Allen looks like because all we saw of him in the camps last year was getting yelled at by coaches for hitting high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he did took he took an unnecessary risk during the spring game. He hit way too hard, but that that was Mel Tucker's culture. So whatever. Um, the the problem is like the star is a lot to learn, and he he had he had trouble with the middle linebacker role learning that. So adding more to that might be asking for trouble. But I just I feel like that stable of linebackers is so solid, especially when you add guys like Guy Thomas on the outside, who's going to take starting minutes. I think that guy's really good. Um, yeah. you leave people who wouldn't have they don't have minutes elsewhere and that can be a little like stopover spot for them also what about is Dylan Thomas going to be anything you know like we don't know he, he's he's in that weird area too yeah I have no idea what Dylan Thomas yeah um, it just would have been okay. nice to see any of that yeah so do you want to talk about quarterback um, I, I think I'd rather see, a, let's see, we, we kind of, I think we both agree that one, two and wide receivers are Katie Nixon and Levant or Demetri Stanley. I agree with that. And I think Demetri Stanley is going to rise to the occasion and be like a primary option. Well, give me your two through five then, or three through five. Who's, who are the next three receivers up? See, I don't know because I don't, I haven't seen much Vontae or I haven't seen much Maurice Bell. I've only seen spurts of Jalen Jackson and he, has ridiculous speed, but he's had injury issues. And then Daniel Arias, he has struggled with inconsistency, and I, I, I don't know if I can trust him in a, in a, like, to be a dependable option. So I, I really don't know. Well, and I mean, there's also, like, I, like we mentioned, Levante Chanel has plenty of ability. You got guys like, I mean, if we count the tight ends in this Thing Brady Russell's probably going to be near the top six in, in yards and catches next year. How do we feel about Caleb Fourier? Is he going to play right away? Ugh, I wish he could because yeah. he is gigantic and is good, would be a really dynamic weapon to have. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable that the offense is going to be more run-oriented, mostly because we're going to have a quarterback with no starting experience. We're going to have um, – like, for sure, like, Katie Nixon is unproven as a starter. Like, I think that's true. He hasn't shouldered that much of a load. He was the third option last year, maybe even the fourth after Brady Russell, honestly. Um, and then Dimitri Stanley and then whoever's after him. Everybody in the passing game is untested. More or less. 
I wonder, do we think that any of these, also these, I mean, the wide receiver class coming in, few of them are made ready to play right away. You mean this the freshman? Yes. So I, I am hesitant to think any freshman will contribute immediately because, like, they really haven't given many snaps to freshmen at all in the past, like, four years. Honestly, like, like LaVisca didn't even get any, so I, it's hard for me to see how that happens. But I don't know. Like a guy like Brendan Rice is is made, he's already like physically there. He can already play wide receiver, like now if he wanted to. I think in college, I don't think there's a lot of development he has to do physically. Same with Keith Miller. Like Keith Miller is already has a has a college ready physique. That'd be another thing if if we watched the spring game, if we saw what was there, and no one really stood out that much after the first two or three, then that would be another question we could potentially answer before the season started yeah that's true i think like i think the receiving class in general is very promising but we just haven't seen anything like we don't know so it would have been nice to see who is getting yelled at by coaches and who is creating separation and I guess, like like you just brought up, I, you know, who else is who is who's going to throw them the ball is the next question. Yeah. It should have been a two person race, I guess, but we also heard that Sam Neuer withdrew from the graduate transfer portal, so I guess he could have also been that. There's a three people like it's it's got to be Brendan Lewis, right? Like at least that's what we would have expected at the spring game. Like we were all eyes on him. I. I'm hoping for Brendan Lewis. I haven't seen much, but like from what I've seen, I'm just like, this is exactly the type of quarterback I, I want. Just someone who's just kind of a natural playmaker and just flicks the ball so easily. Even if he doesn't, if he doesn't have quite the same accuracy or even throwing power, I, I just like someone who has a, a high feel for the game and just kind of makes things happen. Well, I guess to also answer your question about the, the offense run game thing, if we look at the best year that Carl Durrell had at UCLA, and hold on, let me pull up these stats real quick. Maurice Jones drew there? Yes, this was the MJD year, um, <laughs> which also probably colored what the offense looked like. But he was, he was pretty run-heavy. He was pretty run-heavy anyways. Um, most of the time. So hold on, let me pull these up. Okay, so in 2005, Carl Durrell went 10 and 2 and uh, ranked eighth out of nine, eight, eighth in the country. They averaged about 20 passing attempts a game, they averaged about 37 rushing attempts a game. I would say that's pretty close to what we might see next year. Hmm. Um, their quarterback was Drew Olson, who was pretty good. He wasn't really – he was not a runner at all, which I guess also it, it, that means that I don't think Lytle has to prove his dual threat capabilities to, to take the job. Um, I think if Lytle's accurate, then he absolutely could have a chance at it. Um, but Olson had a really good year. You know, He basically just avoided mistakes. You, like this is the thing with my perception of the quarterback play is like 
I've seen what a hyper talented, hyper like a practice all star type of quarterback looks like. I just want someone who can read the game and make quick decisions and not make backbreaking mistakes. I don't want to be reactionary to the antithesis of St- Stephen Montez, but that's where I'm at. And that's why I favor Brandon Lewis. It's like I don't really know much about Lytle, to be honest. We haven't seen him. He wasn't trusted really, even as like in blowouts in the fourth quarter, the coaches didn't put him in. I don't know why. Um, but from what I've seen from Brendan Lewis, he is like that type of player that I that I would like to see. I think at the end of the day, if Brendan Lewis I don't, I think benefit of the doubt goes to him, right? If it's neck and neck, he's gonna get the start. If he shows if he showed enough in the spring game to He I has guess, the highest potential for sure. Well, and I, I guess I don't it's funny because Lytle has also he's almost all potential too. Like the only time we've seen Lytle is in when he's thrown in the worst situation possible. So it's hard for me to be like, well, he threw a pick against Washington State because it's like, well, Steven Montez threw three picks, and that's why Lytle was in the game. And I'm not going to get upset at him for doing that. And Montez was also terrible whenever he would come in for Seth Lupau out of the blue. It's hard to be a quarterback when you're not prepared. Anyway, like, I want, I wish, I want this team to be remade in that 2005 UCLA team's image. Is Drew Olson, I mean, 34 TDs, six interceptions is a great year. That's a, that's a great quarterback year. But he was not even close to the star, right? Like, Maurice Jones-Drew was unbelievable. Mercedes Lewis was the leading receiver as a tight end. I think that's awesome. Um, they prioritized blocking outside. So, you know, you had Mercedes Lewis. You had, like, Marcus Everett was gigantic. He was great out there. Joe Cowan. Ugh. Like, that team is great. And I think I would have loved to see if this – team could be remade into that image as opposed to the other UCLA teams which are kind of uh, I don't know bland and mediocre which hell I take mediocre for the last 15 years of CU so (laughs) would have been nice to see yeah I don't I I don't know I like I would say that normally Lytle would have an inside edge because he'd like know the offense and he'd know the receivers but again like they're changing offenses completely so that and he's been in three systems in his three years now. So there's no, there's no carryover. The familiarity of the receivers, I guess, could help. But I, I'm not, I don't know how much. I, don't, I mean, I guess maybe we'll see it answered this year. Maybe we won't. But that's, that's the question that determines how many games CU wins, if they play any at all. <laughs> that and the DBs. You can win, especially with how strong the front seven is going to be, you can win some games with some bad DBs. Okay. And maybe, yeah, maybe they surprise us. But, all right, uh, do you want to move from hypothetical spring football to real spring football? Yes. Ab- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sam, I, uh, I have an official Colorado legal sportsbook account, and I need to figure oh. out where to put my money. Um, and there is one sport that's going to reopen relatively soon that I'm already semi-interested in. Yeah, I don't know shit about. Help me out. So, so I love the Bundesliga German soccer. It is so much fun. I mean, ha- most of the fun comes from the fans and like the fan atmosphere and how local the sport feels. But like that's not really around right now because they're playing ghost games 
with no fans. Um, but but besides that, I think they're so much fun because the German soccer style is so fast. They're always pressing each other. They're always trying to force each other into mistakes. And I love the, how aggressive that play style is. And games can get real fucking crazy with some goals. And, like, you can just see a, a scoring barrage, like, five goals in 15 minutes. And it's just, that's so much fun to me. Um, yeah. From what you, I've been told, from what I've been told from FIFA 14 commentators, it's all about the counter, <laughs> uh, counterattack. In, in German league? Yeah, honestly. Like, that's still, that's still true. I mean, they, they high-press more than any other league. So you'll see that? attackers. So the high-press is when the defenders, like, have the ball. Like, the other team's defenders have the ball, and so you attack them with, like, your midfielders and forwards. So your midfielders and forwards are playing defense really close to the goal you're trying to score to. So that means if you steal the ball, you're in really good position to just score a goal right there. Mm, okay. Um, and it's it's really hard to high press effectively, and it's uh, you can get caught. Like if they break through the high press, then they can easily uh, move the ball forward themselves and get their own good scoring opportunity. So everything happens faster with the high press. Like let that be mistakes or excellent play. Okay, so uh, they're they're halfway through a season right now, right? Or like most of the way through a season. Yeah. And the villains are Bayern Munich, right? <laughs> Bayern Munich is always going to be the villain because they're the they best team. They always win. They're, there's nothing. They're the only team in Bavaria, and everybody in Bavaria supports them. Like I, so I was just in Bavaria. That's where my girlfriend's from, and like everybody's listening to the radio for the sports games. Everybody has the stickers on their car, and it's such a proud thing for them. And I, I want to compare it to like Alabama football, honestly. Um, they're they're always good, no matter who they have on the team. And right now, they have a really a young team that's going to get better over the years. So they're I I think they're actually pretty fun right now. They're boring to watch because they play possession style, but they have some really good guys. Well, and don't they just kind of treat the rest of the league as like farm teams? So they just kind of buy the best players <laughs> from everyone else. Yeah, that happens. Like they're about to like buy Kai Havertz, who's like the golden boy of German soccer, and it's just like there's where is he from? Team. He's from where, Bayer Leverkusen. Okay, Leverkusen, and they yeah, they so have the small tr- uh, diamond with the B in it. No, that's Mönchengladbach. <laughs> you're like you're thinking of Mönchengladbach. I do. I don't know. Maybe uh, Bayer Leverkusen is uh, fifth place in the standings right now. So, like, they're, they're really good, too. Is, like, is it like the Premier really League good. where the top four get to do the Champions League? Yeah, so top four do Champions League, and then fifth and sixth do Europa League, which is the second-tier tournament. And so right now... So top um, six basically go to the playoffs is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And so right now uh, it's Bayern and Dortmund and Borussia Dortmund. They're, they're mostly competing for the title right now. Exoliba. Yeah, and then Leipzig could also compete. But those three are going to finish top three. Um, so, and then the last spot, the last spot, the fourth place, is a battle mostly between Much and Gladbach and uh, Leverkusen. Okay. Um, who are the best players? Are they all on Bayern? Just give me one per 
give okay here let's do this yeah give me <laughs> give me three of the best players only one per team you can't say they're all in Dortmund or Bayern or whatever okay so so Bayern it's like they're they're mostly possession so they just want to keep the ball like for 70% of the game or whatever okay. and they're just trying to they're trying to work the ball up the field and get it to Robert Lewandowski Oof. who yep former Dortmund player who went to Munich because even though Dortmund made it to Champions League final, Bayern's like, oh, we'll just buy your best player and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And that happened. So that's why everybody hates them. Um, so he's their best player. If you also want to see the best North American player, Alfonso Davies is a Canadian. He, he plays at left back for them. He's really fun. I said um, one per team. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, so Dortmund... Russia Dortmund, they're the second best team. That's where Jurgen Klopp is from. So they play mm-hmm. sort of like Liverpool. They don't play quite like they do anymore. Like they're not as fast paced as they used to be, but they're still plenty fucking good and they're so fast. They have so much speed on the field. Um, so their best player is Jaden Sancho. He's like 20 years old. He's the best young English player. Um, it's only a matter of time before he gets bought by Real Madrid or Manchester City or something like that. Uh, so he's so fun. He's such an amazing passer, and he can do everything on the wing. And I'm going to violate your two players, your one player thing. I'm going to say Ashraf Hakimi is also so fun on Dortmund. He's the Moroccan wing, and he's the fastest player in the Bundesliga. Okay, nice. Uh, and and he just tears down the right side of the field. So he's so much fun. Okay, and is there any player that's like really good, but they're stuck on a bad team? Wait. Uh, and then there's Leipzig, who's the third best team. And uh, their best player to know is uh, Timo Werner. And what a cool they, name. Yeah, you know. The Timo Werner, or Leipzig, their history is that they were just some random-ass German team. They're the only team in the former East Germany. And then uh, Red Bull, uh, which is based in Salzburg, they, they bought the team, pumped a shitload of corporate money into it, and they basically just bought a contender. And so... A, Everybody in Germany hates them because they feel like they were just bought and they weren't like a real soccer team. Um, but Timo Werner is their best player and he's the, the forward. Very big, very fast, scores a shitload of goals and he's headed to Liverpool apparently. So if you want nice. to watch a team that plays like Liverpool and you can watch a team that gives a lot of players to Liverpool, etc., you can watch Leipzig. I think they're very fun Okay, and give me give me one yeah. player who's stuck on a bad team. One great player who's stuck on a bad team. Um, let's see. Not a bad team. They're just mediocre, and they're they're kind of cursed. But uh, uh, Schalke is a fun team to watch. They're sixth place right now, um, and their their funnest player on the team is an American named Weston McKinney. Um, okay. He might be the best American soccer player besides Christian Pulisic. But he, he plays center mid, and he just uh, he's so physical. You would like watching him because he just crunches people with tackles all the time. I mean, he, he's getting better, but that's his calling card. He's, he's so much physical. He's so physical. That's what you need to do, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And who has the best logo? Because that's how I'm actually going to root for it. I mean, okay, I have so, family connections to Dorman, but that's how I'm actually going to root. So... We, I think, I mean, I think Bayern Munich has the best logo. It's just classy. F off. Uh, I know, but 
John made it, our editor made it a requirement that if we're going to talk about Bundesliga, we have to shout out his team, Cologne. And they have a goat mascot. And they don't really... Not a greatest of all time, literally a goat. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So they they don't care if they win or lose. They just want to have a good time and have fun with it. So they're, they're... they're a fun team to root for if you want if you want that. And some crazy stuff could happen because I mentioned earlier that the top six get the Europa League finish. But right now, sixth place and 11th place are pretty close to the standings and anything can happen between that. So if Schalke collapse, which they tend to do, like some team like Cologne, who's like younger and more spry, I guess, they could really make a run for that. And it would be really fun to see. Like, I think that the battle for sixth place might be more entertaining than the battle for first place this year. And, you know, I'm looking at these logos, and Freiburg definitely is the coolest one. <laughs> Let me... Uh, hmm. I don't agree. Okay, well, you're wrong, so that's fine. That's fine. I think, I think Munich, Munich has the best. Wow, Freiburg is so north... That's like on Denmark's ass. Okay. That's the part of Germany I've been to as well. It kind of sucked up there, though. I went to Hamburg, and it was uh, very industrial. It looked like Pittsburgh. <laughs> Another shot, John. Okay, well, uh, I'm moving to Freiburg <laughs> then. Do you, do you have any other questions? Um, no. Which one had the American what? Wesley Snipes? What was his name? No, there's a lot of Americans. Yeah, but who was the Wesley guy? Wesley? Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney. He's on Schalke. Okay. Um, um, Dortmund is also playing a left mid named uh, Giovanni Reyna, who's like 17 years old. He's an American. Uh, he's probably going to be the next like young American star, I guess, who fizzles out because he's not as good as people think he is. Cool. And then Leipzig, who I mentioned, their right back is Tyler Adams, another American. So if you care about that. There is uh, a lot of Americans. Yeah, no, they have a lot. Um, and then Josh Sargent, too. He's he's stuck on a bad team. Werder Bremen. Uh, but he, he plays striker. They them. are he very bad. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, this is their first bad year in a while. They've been in the Bundesliga for like 15 years, at least. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm doing, I'm a Freiburg man now. You're a Freiburg man? You I think the... you should you should stick to Dortmund because you really loved them when they had Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang. And well, let's see. Here's here's back. here's my um knowledge base. Yes, they had Klopp, who was amazing, and they had Lewandowski and Goethe on that team, and they had Royce, who was young on that team, and now he's the old gun on this team. They had all this great young talent. They were the best developer of, of talent in Europe. And then Klopp took his winnings and went to Liverpool, as he should have. That's what you should do. Like, he deserves that. And then they promoted smartly their, their under like the development, whatever they call those, junior team coach, Thomas Tuchel, who played even faster and was all about offense. And he got a guy like Obama Yang, and he had Gundawan, who took extra care with. Okay, Gundawan, and he got guys like um, Mickey M M M Kahartarian. 
Yeah. And, and it was almost pure counterattack. And then he was – he and the management clashed, and he got fired because the owner didn't like him. And that's when I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to pay attention to this anymore. Yeah, um, and now, now Tuchel is uh, – he's at PSG, which is like the richest club. Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they they they're a good team. They have the most. They are the best developing talent. They have these coaches who are leading the best clubs in the world. Um, I mean, they have such a fun team. Like Jaden Sancho, Ashraf Hakimi, and Erling Haaland. Like that is such a stacked top three that you're gonna look back in like six years from now and be like, how the hell? Did Dortmund have those three on their same team? But I mean, it's because they're all 20 years old. Yeah. And they, didn't they used to have Pulisic? Uh, yeah, they had Pulisic. They, they sold him to Chelsea. Hmm. I, I, I don't think Christian Paul is very good, but that's also good. Wow. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't like American soccer very much. Well, that's all I had. Is that all you had? No. Um, I want to say. Uh, also, we haven't talked about Mochen Gladbach, but they're very fun. They are very much the counterattack, fast, fast, fast style. You should watch them because they're they're very ex- they're very excellent. And you would like Real Mbolo because he's just a tank and he plays uh, the ten position, which is like the creator type of role. And he just bodies people because he's like six foot two, two hundred pounds. Which I don't think he's that heavy, but that's like huge in soccer. Yeah, so I do like that. You're right. That and, is exactly what I like. And then uh, I really like Leverkusen is very fun to watch because you get to watch Kai Havertz, who is just so fucking good. And then you get to watch uh, Edmund Tapsoba, who is a he's a new center back for Leverkusen, but he's like he's already he looks like a star in the making. Uh, but he's a young guy, so. And then they also have a guy named Ahikio Palacios, who you need to get him if you play FIFA 20 because he gets to be like a 92 overall. But I love this guy because he's such a douchebag. And he had uh, three girlfriends simultaneously, and they all found out about each other at the same time, and it was very public. Hell yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, So, yeah, those are my thoughts. On the Bundesliga, okay. I'm, I'm, I root for Dortmund, uh, and then my favorite team to watch is Leipzig. If that gives you, if I'm looking at this map of Germany based off of where my family lives right now, looks like Wolfsburg is the closest one to where they are. Wolfsburg were they? They used to be fun. I used to really like them. They had uh, Kevin Kevin De Bruyne and Ricardo Rodriguez. All right. Well, I'm just excited to get to watch sports again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm done. All right. I'm done. See cool. you. See you, Jack. Bye. Buzz. 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 Buffs!